Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us here on We Watched a Thing. Hello. I'm Topher. <laughs> I interrupted you there. I'm Billy. If I get interrupted, people know it's you. Oh, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that. How's it going, do you think? Apparently. Hey, what are you talking <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a good week of watching? Yeah, this week I watched so many things. I got out to the movies a few times, got to Love, Simon, Isle of Dogs, I Feel Pretty, and then, of course, Unsane. What about you? Did you watch much this week? Yeah, I got to a, a new documentary on Australian musician Gurumal, which was good. So, we both got to Steven Soderbergh's new film, Unsane. We did. Uh, the plot summary given on IMDb is this. A young woman is involuntarily committed to a mental institution where she is confronted by her greatest fear. But is it real or a product of her delusion? Interesting. Sounds intense. Also, I would argue, a completely wrong description. Really? It sounds pretty f- factual to me. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get there. All right. We'll get there. So, Unsane is directed by Steven Soderbergh, as we said, written by Jonathan Bernstein and James Greer, stars Claire Foy, Joshua Leonard, Jay Farrow, and Juno Temple, and the film was shot entirely on an iPhone 7 Plus on a budget of $1.5 million. So far, it's brought in around $11 million at the box office. Good business if you can get it. Did you know about this film because you knew about this film of Steven Soderbergh's, or did you know that there's another phone film? I knew about this movie, but I do feel like a lot of the marketing of late has been about, oh, this movie shot on shot on the iPhone. And of course, like Steven Soderbergh operates as his own DP yeah, he, as a rule. Yeah, he usually does. Yeah. Um, he works under, he has a, a pseudonym that he uses, but Soderbergh films are shot by Soderbergh. In this instance, on a phone. Yeah, well, on three phones. Ah. Three phones using the Filmic Pro app, which is 15 bucks in the App Store. There you go. Um, Anyone who says that they can't make their movie. I don't oh, I don't have the means. <laughs> no, what you mean is you don't have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> right, so this isn't like the first iPhone shot film we've seen in recent years. You know, we've had Sean Baker's Tangerine. There's been a couple of others. But this is definitely, I would say, the biggest name one being a Soderbergh film. Yep, that's fair. It does- you know, it does show how accessible filmmaking has become. And as an inspiration to any indie filmmakers out there, it does really show that you can make a film with the gear you already have in your pocket. So, Soderbergh has form in this sort of arena. Going back to early Soderbergh stuff like Sex, Lies and Videotape, you, like he does come out of this real lo-fi yeah. sort of school. Like Yeah, yeah. And now you can, like, half the world's population is now in a, a place where they could if they wanted to. Yeah. Make a movie. It's true. I mean, you look at- Even when you look at those early lo-fi films, like, for example, you look at Clerks, Kevin Smith, he still had to max out 10 credit cards to get the 28 grand to make that movie, mm. you know? Whereas these days, you can walk into a phone shop and you've got a, f- a, a phone that can produce images good enough to show on a 10-foot theatre screen. Now, are they good enough to show- on a cinema screen. Yeah, this is a great discussion because I feel like this film is a poster child for how great it is that you can do this while also showing why you shouldn't do this. <laughs> we're, because we if- were so busy thinking about whether we could <laughs> that we didn't stop to think about whether we should. Uh, Soderbergh uh, finds a, a way. No, because it's true. If if a great filmmaker okay, like Steven Soderbergh- It looks like crap. It looks like shit. And apart from that, I, I thought the movie was shit. Did you enjoy this movie? 
middling. Like, when I look at the comments online and stuff, the crowd is so split between half the people saying, this movie's brilliant, and the other half going, why the fuck are people saying this movie's brilliant? And I feel like I'm in that crowd, because I did not think this was a good movie, and it looked like shit. So, yeah, it looks like it was shot on an iPhone, which because it was. And here's my problem with this. If you want to shoot a movie on an iPhone, make it a stylistic choice. Shoot it like you're using an iPhone. Make it look like voyeur footage or something to, you know, to give it a different feel. To me, it's like it's very, st- you know, they haven't gone with any different kind of look from the iPhone footage. So, the lighting in the film is really minimalistic. A lot of the scenes in this are just lit with practical lights. Yeah, which for okay, granted- is shit because iPhones don't pick light up yeah. well. Now, granted, a lot of those lights are probably changed out to be a brighter light source than a normal lamp would be. Yeah. But- we're still talking about when you look at the film and look at the lighting setups, it's it's really basic. Yeah. Now, the one excuse I could kind of give for why this film is made this way is, you know, you spoke before about the, you know, the kind of the voyeurism of it. Yeah. And that, of course, these days you can stalk using a phone. So, yeah, you could kind of come up with some tie-in there. I didn't like looking at it. No. But I'm, only, I'm trying to think about where they might have been coming from. And that's really all I've got. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard because I don't feel like there was a valid reason to shoot it on an iPhone other than to say, hey, we can do this, you know? And and like I said, that's great. To inspire any indie filmmakers out there, yeah, sure. If you have an idea for a movie and you've been thinking about, oh, I can't afford it, you can. That doesn't mean that this movie doesn't look like a high school film student's final piece, because it does. Yeah, it's a horrible looking movie. Yeah, because here's the thing about the iPhone. You know, sure, okay, it's it's 4K, okay, whatever. <laughs> but the iPhone doesn't have enough iris control to get good depth. It doesn't have a decent focal length lens to get a wide range of shots. It just doesn't have a big enough sensor to capture colours and light well. And this is something, it's something that's a bugbear of of mine from the, the camera world, is that people can throw around- 4K and stuff and all the pixels they want. Yes. If it's being captured on, on a, a sensor, tiny little small. sensor, it doesn't mean it will look good. And and as a cameraman, I'm sure you get this all the time where people are like, well, your job doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, what? you know, you don't need cameramen because everyone has an iPhone. You can look back at other Soderbergh projects. Like, I mean, Ocean's Eleven is a good looking movie. Yeah. So, it's not like Soderbergh isn't a good DP. He is. And so, actually, I think this is- this is brilliant. I can point at this movie and go, this is a guy with the same skill set and this is what it looks like if you do it on a phone. But you know what? This is my problem. I, d- I don't know whether to blame the phone or not, but I found the cinematography in this movie so lackluster and bland. I don't know if it's like because of the focal length of the lens, but I found this movie was riddled with mid shots. Everything's in this weird kind of mid shot space with a lot of headroom. The framing I found very inconsistent and all over the shop, regardless of the camera that was used. Mm. So, to the film. Stars Claire Foy, who's really good. Claire Foy's good. The acting, I thought, in this movie was decent for the most part. I really liked Claire Foy. I really liked Jay Farrow from SNL. This is the first time I've seen him in a, I guess you could argue, serious role. And I enjoyed him. I really liked Nurse Bowles. Yeah, okay. I actually, I thought she was going to be more of a- a kind of central villain, like she was going to be the ner- she was going to be Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. Essentially, was what I thought was going to happen. Um, I would, I, yeah, I'm kind of bummed we didn't get more of her because I actually really liked her. Yeah, I mean, I liked the character, but to me, the acting 
for a lot of those side just really really lent into to this feeling like a student film i found that a lot of the acting was very kind of wooden and stilted and and didn't feel like professional actors it literally felt like something you would watch a high school student put together to me it actually seemed like someone being a nurse rather than acting a nurse yeah okay she was reasonably disinterested and stuff because it's her job and she's pretty disinterested yeah what did you think of the, the the wild matt damon appearance i wasn't into it it was very strange and out of like, place. Damon's like becoming the king of the stunt guys. <laughs> yeah. Like in Interstellar, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. This. It's bizarre. Things where Damon just pops up. And it's just weird that in this, you're watching this totally lo-fi micro budget thing yeah. to then have a movie star. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, sure. We all know who Claire Foy is, but like, I haven't actually seen The Crown. This is the first thing I've actually seen her in. I just, you know, I yeah. just like, I know who Claire Foy is. Whereas Matt Damon is a movie star. And yeah. when he pops up in something like this, it's- It's jarring. It's yeah, really strange. It it's really strange. I mean, and on the casting, why do the stalkers always have to look like me? <laughs> like, I, I found it really hard to get into this movie at first because I was just like, um, it's just like looking in a big, fat, airy, stalky mirror. But I actually quite enjoyed that guy. I thought he was pretty good. That was yeah. uh, Joshua Leonard. Yeah. Who was in the Blair Witch Project, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Was, like, yeah. Geez, that's going back. Yeah. So, one of the things, uh, if you thought we were done with how this film was shot, sorry. Um, because so much of the film is shot with the really wide lens that is standard on a phone, it makes the film not at all observational. Like yeah. you're not you're not sitting in in a stalker's point exactly. of view at all. You, it's it's, it's much to. more about putting you in Sawyer's. That's Claire Foy's character. It's more about putting you in her experience. So I think I think it is done in a. It still has a purpose. That's a specific choice. I think to have it be in her experience, and she makes that work. I think having a you know acting with a camera twelve inches from your face, I wouldn't have thought is that easy. And I think Claire Foy is good. Honestly, to me, her and Jay Farrow saved this movie, and I use the word saved liberally. Wasn't exactly shock of the century, was it, when you find out the, the minor twist about Jay Farrow's character, is it? Well, this is my issue with the film, is that I don't think there's any shock in any of this movie. My argument with that, the IMDb description of this film, is that that's not what this movie is at all. And that's what I was hoping it would be. I thought this was going to be a psychological horror kind of thriller where we're trying to work out, is this stalker actually in the hospital or not? Or what's going on here? And I think- it, And that's just not there. Because I think this it is, held to it to a point. It's established so early on that, yeah, is, this is her stalker. He's really yeah. there. And he I had thought, nothing to do with her being brought into the hospital. It's not like he, you know, set this trap for her so that she was trapped there. He just happens to get a job there after she's there. Like- to me, there was no interest in any of the plot points. Of well, this he film. must have already had the job. He must have. How? Which is then completely well, unbelievable. But this is no. See, because he killed the guy who had the job. They find his body in the woods later on. But surely, with the timeline, he must have done that before she checked herself. Because it's a quick timeline. She's only in there yeah. a day before he turns up. So this guy's master plan, I didn't find that believable. Th- there is a period of the film where. It hangs on to this, where it does play out, as you were saying. Is it delusional? And that's not, she's just projecting this onto this guy, or is that her stalker? And that's and that's not a big section of the film, but it does hang on for a little bit, and it is probably the most interesting part of the film, Definitely. I'd say. Once you find out he's really there, to me, the whole movie yeah. just- and it does, and it doesn't go kind of back and forth at all. It's like, okay, actually, no, we've got the. F- There's enough evidence here to tell yeah. us. No, that is her stalker. It happens very, very quickly. There isn't an interesting dynamic between them. 
I mean, to After me, that already yeah, thing, to it's- me, I don't know what what I'm supposed to find interesting in this film because it just very quickly becomes a story about a stalker following this woman. And it's not, yeah, it's not like there's this kind of Hannibal Lecter, Clarice kind of exactly what I was relationship doing. between them. There's there's just, there's nothing. It's It's just a very, I just don't know what I'm meant to be seeing here. Towards the end of the film, it kind of just- dives into schlocky horror which is very much played up in those end credits and you know what that's the, i feel like if that was the approach from the start of the film i would have liked it a lot better if they just really lent into that the entire way and just made it yep this is this is schlock this is a throwback to those old 70s horror movies i would have been like yep okay i can get into this but that's not what they did how do you feel about the choice to present the film in 4-3 aspect ratio I don't like it. It's a it's a nasty looking movie. Yeah, like, okay. It's meant to be a nasty looking movie, and if that works for some viewers, okay, good. But you know what? If it's meant to be a nasty looking movie, make it look nasty. Don't film it in the same techniques that we're filming with proper cameras. Like use the use the iPhone handheld. Turn it vertical for all. I don't care. do that. Do it. No, do it. Don't. If you're filming on a phone and it's meant to look like you're filming on a phone, do it. Film it like an idiot. Friends don't let friends film vertically. I'm against vertical video as much <laughs> as the next person. Apparently but, not, because I'm the next guy. But to me, if that's the stylistic choice you're making, then just lean into it and do it all the way. Don't put a gimbal on the phone as if it's a steady cam. Don't put it on a tripod like it's just a regular camera. Use it like a phone. Like, at least make it have a purpose. I think even those handheld things you can get yeah, that, aren't, that, are, that aren't a gimbal. Like it's a selfie a, stick kind of thing. Kind of, yeah, yeah, essentially. That makes more sense to me. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Go full Blair Witch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, to really good effect, like, not a great movie, but did you see Unfriended? No. So, the concept behind that is that these, is these kids and the horrors all happening online and whatnot, but the entire thing is done through screen capture on a laptop and the movie is filmed through Skype and stuff. So, but they've actually lent into that and used it, you know, like people close their laptop lids and their screen goes black or they walk around the house with their laptop and it's shaky and stuff because that's a stylistic choice. To me, this didn't have any style to it that seemed to be a conscious decision. And what about the night for day shots? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's another thing to me. Oh, it's yeah. like, why set any of the movie at night? If you know that that's what you're going to be filming on, there's no need for those scenes to be set at night. <laughs> right. right. For, it's the first shot of the movie. Yeah. It's this blue wash. And then, the entire, day and then the entire kind of climax of the movie, which again, if they'd gone for that kind of schlock from the start, I could have forgiven it just this bright blue wash, but- as it was, it was just so jarring and out of place. Yeah. Maybe average someone doesn't notice. I don't know. And that's my thing. Sitting there the whole time, I'm thinking, you know what? Other people probably don't care that's about right. this. That's right. Other people aren't looking at the aspect ratio. Yeah. Like, Yeah. I was sitting there with a lot of shots just kind of tearing it to pieces in my head going, actually, no one else in this theatre cares. So, half of what we've spoken about- <laughs> Oh, other people aren't going to give a shit. Aren't going to care. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe then the entire- Undoubtedly, the film will work for some audiences. Oh, definitely. Like I said, looking online, there's plenty of people who are loving the movie. It just clearly wasn't made for me. I did enjoy the score by Thomas Newman in this movie. I thought that the music actually did add something. The last scene of the film, 
where in the diner, in the like diner. the very last, yeah, where scene. Sawyer's kind of gotten back to her life. That's where we get that really schlocky that freeze frame for the credit shot. Oh, but to me, it's what? like, no, I don't need to revisit this. We we've established that she's not crazy. Well, no, we know that she is, like she is Sawyer is like she does have a pretty serious moment early on in the film where she's gone home with a guy. Like, so the question, which does actually serve the film, because then you're like, okay, well, I already know that Sawyer is sick, so that might not be. Her stalker. But, yeah, just fop the last scene off. Yeah, definitely. It's no good. I mean, what were your thoughts on the entire last act of this film where where she's in solitary confinement and her stalker is visiting her? It's really uninteresting. You would hope if someone told you how, gave you a synopsis of this film and kind of stepped you through how the film was going to play out, that's what you'd hope would be the best scene or, or scenes in the film. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, and as, as you said, and as I was thinking, watching it with Clarice and Hannibal, except they're in the same cell. Yeah. Can you get that, this, can you get a really good dynamic happening between them? Turns out, no. Could you? I think you okay, might have sorry. been able to if it was written better. <laughs> yeah, sorry, did they? <laughs> but yeah, it's not written very well and it's not acted very well. You know, I like Claire Foy and I thought, like I said, she saved this movie because she is very personable. But the, it, it just, I could walk into a local high school, throw a rock at a kid, and I feel like I could he could make a better movie than this. <laughs> I, I know that sounds harsh. I've liked a lot of Steven Soderbergh's work, but this just didn't land yeah. for me at all. And unfortunately, you have I think you've lost some empathy for Sawyer by the end of the film because she keeps punching people. She's really mean to people. She like, is. Like even Jay Farrow. Like she's- just really mean to everyone. It punches <laughs> a heap of people. Oh, so many people. This movie just seemed like it had too many things going on and yet none of them were interesting. Like we have this whole subplot of mental institutions luring patients in because of their insurance money. <laughs> that was just strange to yeah. me. I just didn't. Which I was suspecting that Jay Farrow was a journalist, but you don't know for sure. So the first time you see him on his phone, he's talking to someone about a story. He's like, "Yeah, the story's nearly done." And I'm like, "Are we, yeah. are we supposed but to?" That be? could be a con- that could be him being a sick person who has conspiracy theories and this kind of thing. So there was an out for it if they wanted. Yeah. I don't think it was. But that's where I would have liked the story to have gone more, to really question her sanity. You know, is is she seeing her stalker's face around when he's not actually there? But all those questions that could have been interesting are just answered so early on. Yeah, I agree. That's absolutely the most interesting stuff in the film, and it's done away with so quickly. Yeah, and from there, it's just, like I said, this kind of story where I'm like, what am I meant to be watching here? Yeah, it just descends into this schlocky horror thing that looks like crap. Hey, you. Yeah, you. What are you doing after you finish this great podcast you're listening to? Well, whatever it is, you're going to blow that off and listen to the IMDB Journey podcast instead, hosted by Daniel, that's me, and Dean, that's me. Join us on our journey as we tackle the IMDB Top 250 list, breaking down one movie a week, giving our own rankings as we go, as well as our incredibly intelligent and insightful thoughts too. (laughs) (laughs) We also throw in a random quiz or movie battle every once in a while and have a punt on it. Because us Aussies, we love a good punt. (gasps) Daniel, this is a G-rated promo. You can't say that. I said punt, Dean. Punt. (sighs) You dickhead. So come join us on the journey by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter at IMDB Journey. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. Look, so all in all, it's pretty obvious I didn't like it. To me, this is this is on par for me 
with like Insidious Chapter Four and Pacific Rim Two. This mm. is down there. I don't. I am not going to recommend that people see this movie. Like, and that's hard for me to say because, as you know, on this show, we're always like, I I love interesting things being done. Sure, this this movie tried something interesting, but it didn't work. Would you agree with that? Or it's not something I would recommend to. I'm trying to think, do I know someone who I'd be like, actually, you might really dig Sick insane. To me, even horror fans, I'm not going to recommend it. I don't think I dislike it as much as you. I like Claire Foy in it. There is a there is a segment of the film that I like, despite the fact that it looks like crap. So, t- tell me about this. Which segment of the film would you say you enjoyed? From the time she first goes to the hospital until, well, until it's just clear to us that, yes, in fact, that is her stalker. And, yeah, I'm not saying this section of the film, I'm not saying it lasts a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is there is a section of the film for me where where they do pl- let it play out with the is, it, is he or isn't he. Yeah. It's not a long time, but it's there. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm trying to find things. Yeah. That's the thing. To, to me, I guess the biggest crime of this movie is how good it could have been. Like, I think there are so many things that could have been done better with not even a huge amount of tweaking. You know, like, there are some movies, like, you look at Pacific Rim 2, I don't think there are that many changes you could make to that movie that would make it great. But with this, I feel with just a few changes that could have been great, and instead, it's one of my worst of the year. Even within Soderbergh's filmography, like, Side Effects, I didn't think was a particularly good movie, but it's fine, and- there's there's some kind of crossover thematically with this. If you want to see a Soderbergh film that sounds like the film we've described at all, <laughs> just watch Side Effects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does have Channing Tatum in it, which I know is a pretty good reason not to watch a movie, <laughs> but <laughs> it's still better. It's better than Unsane. <laughs> and actually, you can do a fun little um, a fun little stepping stone thingy with these films because Side Effects has Rooney Mara in it, who in the next film based on Stig Larsson's novels has been replaced by Claire Foy as Luke Besinder. No shit, they replaced her. Yeah, because it's essentially a, it's essentially a reboot, the next one. Yeah. Because the next one they're doing is The Girl in the Spider's Web, which wasn't written by Stig Larsson. After he died, someone just picked up his characters and continued on with it. So why are they going to that? Haven't they only done Dragon Tattoo? Aren't there two more Stig Larsson ones? Yeah, but they're not happening. Well, that seems strange. And really sad for me because I was actually totally into Go with the dragon tattoo, and I wanted. I was like, Fincher gets to make an R-rated trilogy. Yeah, come <laughs> yeah. at me. This is great news, and that's not happening. That that's sad. I hate when trilogies start and don't end. John Carter all over again. One of the biggest crimes of all time <laughs> is that we won't get the sequels to John Carter. <laughs> why? Why are you laughing? Because no one else knows that you've had this two-day running battle with my sister, saying you need to watch John Carter because it's a. Masterpiece. John Carter is one of my all-time favorite films. Honestly, if you're if you're listening, go watch John Carter right now. Don't set your expectations too high. No, set them higher than you can even imagine. Don't do that because it's such a. Good Don't do movie. that. No, do it. Do it. But there's an hour and a half of Tim Riggins, so I think it's closer to two hours, mate. Oh well, yeah, but there's a bunch of Tim Riggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so who's not gonna like it? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Panther for life. <laughs> So, all in all for me, I'm giving this a two. Two. Brutal. Um, It's scraped together enough positive things for me to give it a four, but it's clearly not on the We Watched a Thing recommendations list. Yeah. No, it it 
it won't be. What did you give Insidious the Last Key? A four. Ah, <laughs> in fact, these are so we've, we've reversed. Yeah, yeah, we've we've so collectively we like this as much as the Last Key, which is not what you want to hear about a movie. <laughs> no, I, I would honestly go see the Last Key six more times before I watch this again. I would not. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, they were advertising that they were bringing it back to cinemas for Friday the 13th with extended scenes. And I was like, you know what? I might do that. Yeah. Normally, the key to um to making something that I rated a two good is to put in the stuff that wasn't even good enough yeah. to make the cut. Yeah. that's That sounded outstanding. <laughs> I wonder if there's a bunch of deleted footage from Unsane that's awesome. I mean, as a rule, I don't think you want to go through an iPhone and look at no, that's random right. pictures and <laughs> can, footage. Can you imagine like the dailies for this this movie? Like Steven Soderbergh handing his phone over to the editor and just don't swipe left. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, do we know what we're watching next week? There's nothing coming out, is there? So next week, yeah, we got a break for new releases. There's nothing going on now, so we're going back to a classic, which is where one of us introduces a film that, you know, the other one hasn't seen, the other person. I really hate when it's your choice, because this is when you just use it as an excuse to make me look bad, like like I haven't seen a hashtag classic. But you haven't seen it. Because you'll no doubt choose something from the top 250 list. So what, what are we doing? This what are you embarrassing me with this time? See, I don't think this was so much my choice. I think you kind of said, all right, this needs to happen. All right, what are we like, watching? You're saying that I'm trying to embarrass you. This was really your choice. <laughs> so, speaking of IMDb's top 250 list, Billy hasn't seen number one. <laughs> I haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption. I haven't watched Shawshank in a long time, actually. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so thank you so much for joining us. We've loved chatting with you all. Even if we didn't love the movie. <laughs> no, and don't see it. I mean, if, if, if you if you watched it this week just to listen to our episode, because we mentioned last week we were watching it, I'm really sorry. If you did like it, email us and let us know, because we love hearing different opinions and we love hearing from all of our listeners. Thank you to everybody who, who messaged us about the Infinity War Arrested Development crossover, by the way. We got a whole bunch of responses of people pointing out to us. Do you, do you, do you know what it was? In yeah, the, yeah. In the collector's room, Tobias is there in his full blue- <laughs> With his cut-off shorts. Which is awesome. Yeah. So, that was fair. So, thank you to everybody who messaged that into us. Uh, please tell a friend about the show if you enjoy it. We're on all of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. If you're using an Android phone, I recommend Podcast Republic app, which is great. Leave us a review. Really helps us grow. So, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that at wewatchathing.com or at wewatchathing at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. I blanked on Instagram for a moment. It's a thing. The and, kids are doing it. And Twitter, at We Watched a Thing. Uh, thanks for joining us. Happy movie watching. Bye.